It's like the one song I hum all the time. <laughs> the Bender? The Bender the song, bender. yep. <laughs> hey, I see us. All right. Ready or not, here we go. Welcome to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 207, your once-weekly live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. I'm John. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on the replay on anchor.fm or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we could talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. All Super Chats are read on the air so long as they will not permanently demonetize my channel. We do drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the chat and we'll give some shout-outs as we go along. And if you'd like to join the super secret chat and the even more super secret after party, think about joining the Patreon or Float Plane. Links are both down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to my Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, all the hosts from Talking Heads, and take part in the awesome and ever-growing community that hangs out over there. There we go. Welcome nice. to the show, everyone. Welcome to you, John. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, it's a little different. Yeah, slightly. <laughs> slightly, not much. <laughs> You're like, eh, it's still your face. Yeah, it's, I mean, I still have <laughs> to look at you. It's the same thing. Uh, yeah. I don't know, it, it, I actually look a little a little clearer. It looks like it's coming in a little You're better. A little, You're a little crispy. It, it looks good. Yeah, yeah. My, my upload is much nicer here. Nice. So it's, it's a, a decent upload, actually. So my, I get 50 uploads, 50 up. So it's like, hey, I can I can manage with 50. Nice. Yeah, that's what I get here. So, and I bet you don't uh, even pay extra for it. No, I don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ask me what my internet bill is. <laughs> Good Lord. Oh, it has been a week. Uh I mean, I'm complaining, but John, you have a lot more to complain about than I do. I mean, oh, you've got you've got some celebration, but I got celebration, but it's it's but back breaking. Getting labor. to that celebration, yeah. So it's so, why don't you tell us so about bad. your week? Oh man! Uh, so as you can see, uh, there's not the standard background. I moved. Uh, I have a new studio being built as of today. Uh, if you are on the super secret Discord. Um, you will have seen the foundation being laid. So I have a brand new 200 square foot studio being built. I know it's not quite as large as uh, some of the other YouTubers, but for my mere beer drinking channel, I think it'll be great. Um, but right now I'm in the middle of a move. If you've ever watched Jeff's moving vlog from what, a year and a half ago, I think? Gosh, yeah, almost the, almost two years, yeah. uh, December uh, 19. Yep. He, it's basically, I'm doing the exact same thing. Uh, it's just a real big pain in the butt. And unfortunately, <laughs> the house that we moved into was uh, kind of a sad story. The the previous owners passed away, mm -hmm. and they left all their stuff. Yeah. So we had to deal with that. Uh, but we got a good deal out of it because of that. So I was like, yeah, take $30,000 off. I'll take care of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, That's one way to get a house in this market. I mean, that seriously. Is. So. So yeah, celebration, and then um, I did. We I have a, I have a surprise for people who follow me and on your Discord. Uh, a little little last minute celebration to end my uh, reign over at my old place. Should be coming out either Friday or Monday. Oh, that video. It'll be fun. That video. Yeah, that video. So, uh, which I may or may not make a guest appearance in. Maybe who knows? Who knows? Who knows? I think the last edit was at. 15 minutes so i gotta cut that down i'd i'd say leave it 
Yeah. Let's, let's just well, go long you, form you, on that one. You want to, you want to, I want to get like some good, good cuts in there yeah. is, is the thing. I think I can shave two minutes off, something like that. Maybe a minute. I think half. that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. You know, try to keep it like 12. Yeah. But yeah, should be fun. Other than that, how are you? I know you've been busy these past weekends. I have been insanely busy uh, this this month in general. Uh, for those who don't know, I have managed a haunted house for the last, gosh, almost 15 years now. Uh, uh, basically, I do that every October. So every weekend in October, I am at uh, a haunted house taking care of staffing and customer flow and breaking things that go wrong and and all that kind of stuff uh so that's been taking up a fair number of my weekend evenings as of late uh as far as the weekdays those have not gotten any easier with an eight-month pregnant wife uh oh yeah that's coming <laughs> that's along soon, coming huh? up pretty quick uh <laughs> so uh yeah i mean there's there's things that normally she would just take care of around the house that uh, and I'm, and to be clear, I am not complaining. I, I am not complaining here whatsoever, but she can't reach to the bottom of the washing machine anymore. <laughs> Physical <laughs> limitations. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she'll, she'll walk into my office while I'm trying to film and she goes, so I got most of the laundry switched, but there's like a layer on the bottom that's still there. <laughs> You could see what you need to you'd see that the, the jerk move would be like go buy her one of those arm grabber things. <laughs> um, Here you go, babe. I fixed it for you. I, I, I was going to get her the T Rex t shirt with the two extendable arms that says, I'm unstoppable. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> I was totally going to do that. <laughs> Uh, and then Jeff would have been filming with a black eye for the next month. It's a great thing. I mean, we've been together forever. We've been together, uh, we got together in 2003. So we've been together for 18 years now. So yeah, that's, that's crazy to think about. Uh, but yeah, uh, I didn't realize that it was already 801. Otherwise I would have actually gotten into a small costume because it is technically Halloween episode. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, Today's the 27th. Uh, I, yeah. I have a sombrero I'm seeing. I can go grab. Yeah. Or... Uh, so I was going to show off my costume for this year. Uh, I have the coat over here, but I'm not going to go put that on. Instead, I think I'm just going to do uh, this, and you guys should probably get the idea. Uh, so this is my homemade Corvo oh, Atano wait. mask from Dishonored. Uh, this is, gosh, I want to say, how long did this take to print? This is almost 40 hours in printing. Uh, just print time, not, not finishing, not painting, not weathering, or anything like that. But... Uh, I have to say, this is probably my favorite thing that I've ever 3D printed so far. Uh, this was a heck of a lot of work. Uh, this is all hand-wrapped copper wire down here holding the jaw in. Uh, uh, did all the cloth work and everything else, did all the weathering. So there's there's a lot to this mask, and it's, it's accurate inside and out uh, to what it is in Dishonored. So... See, no, no, put it back on, and then this will be our thumbnail. That'll be the thumbnail. Okay. There we go. Hold on. I'm going to screen cap it just in case we don't uh, actually get it. So there we go. And we need... Okay, ready, John? Three, two, one. All right, we got it. All right, there we go. I love it. So, yeah, <laughs> that is my uh, homemade Dishonored mask. Uh, and I've got a whole costume that's going with it, too. So that was a lot of fun. I've been spending uh, probably too much time. 
perfectly honest. <laughs> uh, but it's completely done now. And uh, yeah, really excited to get to wear it this weekend. So anyway, uh, anyway, it is Halloween weekend, Halloween week. Uh I have actually some seasonal beers or some themed beers, I should say. Two of them are seasonal. One of them is not. Uh, one How of many of them are pumpkin? One. Ah. Ooh. Jeff. Ooh, he got a pumpkin Jeff beer. bought a pumpkin beer. Oh, it wasn't even given to him. No, this is not even out of John's collection that I stole when he wasn't looking. No, this is <laughs> genuinely one that I purchased myself. Uh, so I have three options. I'll probably end up drinking two of them. Um, first off is a standard I just grabbed because we got the skull and crossbones. It is Quilter's Irish Death, 7.8% strong <laughs> ale, uh, dark, smooth, strong ale, excuse me. Um, they are absolutely fantastic. Uh, it is a regular and if Costco near you carries beer, you can get this now for like $6 for a four pack, which is normally I was happy paying like $8 a pint. This is $6 for four pints. Yeah. So it is a phenomenal beer at that price point. Uh, next up is uh, another kind of local. They're, they're local-ish. They're one of the largest uh, beers that are local to us. That is from Rogue Brewing over in Newport, Oregon. It is the Dead and Dead. Uh, oh. So this is their seasonal Dead Guy Ale, which has actually been aged in uh, Dead Guy whiskey barrels. Yes. Uh, and it's a fantastic a annual release. That is a very good beer. Lastly... Uh, I have a gluten-free pumpkin beer. Uh, yes. Uh, this is the Lunar Harvest Pumpkin Ale from Ghostfish Head. I was going to say. Or Ghostfish Ghost Fish. Brewing uh, up in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, this is a 100% gluten-free facility. Uh, I buy beer from here all the time as my wife is celiac. She, uh, she has, uh, celiac disease. This is a 5%, uh, but supposedly pretty decent. So, hmm. I think I'm going to start with the pumpkin and then we'll kind of see where the night takes us. So I will, I will also start with a pumpkin. Uh, I have of course you will. Cause you have three of them. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I have I'm energy assuming. city brewing bistro pumpkin cobbler. Pumpkin cobbler. Go. Yeah. So it is a sour, a jammy sour pumpkin beer. So I unfortunately uh, do not have a glass. I will be reading it up tonight. Yep. He doesn't even have a desk. Nope. Just a stool and a camera. Yep. I have this little like a stool thing that holds my uh, laptop up. Hmm. That's about it. So. Hmm. Contains real fruit. That's it. Wow. Thanks. Is it, is it chewy? Is it chunky? (laughs) That's what I want to know. Cause you said jammy sour with a pumpkin. I'm wondering if there's still seeds in it myself. <laughs> I don't taste really any, a whole lot of pumpkin. It just tastes like an apple cobbler. Like you taste the cinnamon, the allspice. You even okay. taste the the toasted oatmeal and, and uh, brown sugar, like that crust. You know, if that's the way they went with it, I, I don't think I would be too disappointed with it. And there's even a buttery characteristic to it. Nice. So it, it, it tastes like a cobbler. Yeah. I just don't really taste pumpkin yeah i get more apple maybe even peach because those are the two cobblers that i usually you know right are getting right 
Uh, this definitely has pumpkin on it. There's pumpkin right on the nose. Uh, very nice. Not like your pumpkin pie or even like a pumpkin spice style thing. Um, this is a very sweet pumpkin with maybe just a hint of cinnamon. Uh, but it's oh. it's not it's not a sweet sweet leaning aroma. It's not bad. It's a little thin. Uh, it's definitely a little thin. Uh, let's see. That's actually a pretty decent pumpkin note in there. Um, it's not overpowering at all. It's like I said, it's very thin. It's it's very light bodied. I would have wanted something a little bit thicker. Maybe normally we'd say a little maltier, but as you can't put yeah. malt in these drinks, <laughs> um, you know, I, I wish there was something else, some other some grain that would just add a little little something to you the body. Some, you want some body, right? Or more of like a, a red ale esque yeah. flavor. Yeah, you know, yeah. Go that, give give me an part. Irish red style body with this kind of flavor. And I think that's a great match. Uh, yeah. Like, it's it's certainly not bad. Don't get me wrong. This is this is a 3.0 on Untapped, uh, if, if I were to rate it. Um, so. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, we got some other people actually having uh, some pumpkin beers. We have Michael Stevens, Epic Brewing Imperial Pumpkin Porter. Mm. Nice. 8.9%. Uh, John Jay enjoying a Juice Machine Double IPA 8.6 by Treehouse Brewing. Uh, yes, I even did a review on that a long time ago. Yes. Excellent beer. Yeah. Excellent beer. He was showing pictures to everyone on the Discord, <laughs> uh, making everyone jealous. Of his trip to Treehouse Brewing. Yeah. Which, by which the way, that's I, a beautiful facility. Oh, yeah. I, I, it just, looks I just have to say. Uh, Novella Hub's got Hop and Frog Brewery 15th Anniversary Bourbon Barrel Age Strong Ale 15 percent uh magic rat is having one of your favorites jeff benchmark bourbon <laughs> good old buffalo trace yep if you haven't seen jeff's video it's a little bit older one magic water cooling uh, with whiskey he water cools it uh computer with benchmark bourbon yep so go check that out if you haven't seen it that was a fun video uh, let's see who else we have. I've got a Crowler of Light Bridge Brewing, Elevated Amber Ale. Uh, that was William McDowell. Uh, say we, Jason. We do have a super chat from Nicholas. Okay. Uh, uh, so $5. Thank you so much, Nick. Uh, hey, Jeff, what are your thoughts on the AMD 4700S? Personally, I think the limited IO is a deal breaker, even if they were easy to get a hold of. Uh, let me refresh my own memory here on what the specs were before I start talking out of my ass. Uh, yeah, it is their uh, eight-core processor. It's their Zen 2 low-power kit, if I remember correctly. Um, yes. <laughs> Hold on. That's my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. No, this is the uh, the dead PS5 chips, just like the dead Xbox One uh, board that I reviewed not long ago. Um, they're going to be low power. They're, they're APU systems uh, with Vega graphics. Uh, I believe it's RDNA 2-based Vega, uh, but, but still Vega graphics. Uh, 
and Zen 2 architecture. So you get decent single-threaded performance, but you're also limited to around 2 to 2.2 gigahertz, which is not going to set the world on fire. Uh, I will say they are a far sight better than the Xbox One uh, uh, chip that I took a, a look at a little while back. What was that, the 9350 uh, based, based on uh, AMD Bulldozer? Was it Bulldozer, Pile Driver? Gosh, what was that thing based on? I don't remember. Um, yeah, it, it's a uh, an FX-based chip that was eight cores, eight threads, had an APU, and couldn't do crap because it was so borked by both Windows drivers and hardware limitations because this was a slashed-down chip for consoles that was further slashed down because of defective areas on the die and then packaged onto a micro-ATX board and resold for 100 bucks. Uh, yes, the limited I.O., but for a home theater PC with with RDNA 2 and a 4700S, uh, you know, 8-core uh, chip, that's not a terrible deal. Um, I haven't looked at the pricing on them, but uh, my guess would be they're, st they're somewhere right around that 125 to 150 mark. Um, in fact, let me just look that up real quick. Um, D4700S, and of course I can't find an AliExpress listing right now. But anyway, mm -hmm. depend Jaguar cores. Thank you. Uh, yeah, depending yeah, on yeah. depending on the price point of them, they could be a decent deal. They could be a decent deal. Uh, I'm not going to base a gaming PC around them. I'm not going to pair it with a 3080 for crying out loud. But if all you do is game. It's not bad. Oh, 4700S don't doesn't have an IP uh, IGPU. Mm. I could have swore they had RDNA too. I guess not. Okay. Like I said, I haven't looked into them a ton. Uh, they were on my periphery, but I already had enough projects going on and time was running short. So I just kind of ignored them. I do have a cool build coming out. Uh, hopefully sometime tomorrow though. So subscribe, keep watching whatever uh whatever it is that you folks do that keeps me smash employed. that like and subscribe S button smash that subscribe hit the like delete the facebook call your lawyer whatever it is that you do <laughs> go off the grid mm -hmm. don't even get on the internet just make sure to subscribe have a bot always like everything go away yep yep <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's what I think. That's what I think. I th I think with eight cores, Zen two architecture, regardless of what GPU pair with pair with it, it'll be a decent little system. But like I said, it ain't gonna set the world on fire either. I believe the LTD video said that the PSU has to be replaced and around one thousand dollar cost. Okay, I think that was related to another conversation which I wasn't having. Uh <laughs> people are complaining. Uh, Jeff Gearling's complaining about your frame right now. Twenty-four FPS Fine. on the left and sixty FPS on the right. Actually, I'm only at thirty, so John may. I noticed a, a little bit of stutter, but uh, no, you look fine to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm smoother, but I'm also local. You're smoother, right? Yeah, yeah. You're really going to complain. <laughs> Hide in Jeff's bushes while waiting for the next video? 
that's creepy. <laughs> uh, Michael says, tech news. Yeah. Uh, we also say beer news. And we also hang out. Beer, tech, entertainment, games. Star Trek. Star Trek. We do a lot of things. And yeah, yeah we, we did, do it all. We did 20 minutes of meandering. Usually it's only 10, but that means less meandering at the end of the show. Or just as much. Who knows? But speaking of tech news, uh, a lot of you may know I'm a huge VR enthusiast, although it doesn't make it to my channel a lot. Uh, but I do play a lot of VR when I have the time. Uh Anyway, Pimax is introducing a next-generation headset based on a 12K QLED <laughs> resolution. This thing sounds insane. Uh, now, I reviewed the, the 5K Plus uh, Pimax, gosh, almost three years ago now. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was a fantastic headset with a number of... of issues uh number one it was fairly expensive if i remember right it was like eight hundred dollars uh now as big of the field of view was it was also a massive front heavy headset with some we'll just say build issues uh with some questionable cheap plastics that were used to hold it all together uh now putting the headset on once you got it running inside of Steam VR is unlike anything I've ever tried. Uh, I mean, just having that field of view, you know, a literally like 150 degree real field of view. And gosh, I think it was 120 vertically. Um, it dwarfed every other VR headset I've ever tried. Uh, Vive Pro, Vive, Quest, Quest 2, uh, everything. Everything I've ever tried pales in comparison to the immersion that you get could get on the 5k plus headset 12k qled man uh that takes it to another place not only well, yeah not only okay. that um they made it so much smaller yeah that was it's it's say. no longer like a hammerhead shark on the front of your face it's reasonably sized now now it's still larger than a lot of other vr headsets but it's not twice the size of other vr headsets yeah i know it really looked like you were having like two side mirrors those uh, like mm -hmm. extra side mirrors when you uh move a trailer or something that's how wide right. the original one looked and this one looks more like almost the original oculus or something like that like that size right. you know um but when it's 12k Okay, I will accept that. Yeah. Fine. So a 12K um, display featuring dual 6K QLED displays. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. Pimax always likes to double its its K figure, even though they're counting just the horizontal resolution and ignoring the fact that 12K would be four times 6K, not two times 6K. Math. Uh, but... Uh, so dual 6K QLED panels with 4,400 local d dimming elements. Uh, so as far as getting as near black as you can while not having the downfalls that come with OLED displays. Uh, uh, you can have burn-in issues with OLED displays, especially if you play the same game with the same heads-up display uh, in the same location day after day. You can start to get burn-in on headsets. Uh, but 
they also increased the field of view by almost 30 degrees yeah. on this headset. 210 degrees. Yeah, which is, again, math is hard. 180 is full peripheral. And in fact, yeah. humans can only see about 160. And even then there's blind spots in between that our brain fills in. Uh, so realistically, it's probably closer to like 150, 160 degree field of view, which might as well be full 360 because. Yeah. Well, yeah, when I was reading that, I was like, how how are they even knowing that? Like I I, do, I wouldn't care because I can't see it. Right. So it's like even if I did this, I'm we're still rendering not be things able to behind see. you. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Hundred and ten <laughs> brings awesome. you back to your ears. Like yeah. Like, or two hundred and ten. Like, yeah. I don't need that. I mean, uh, it's cool. It is cool to sit there and say that you can do that. I wonder if it helps. No, because it's like with processing, so it doesn't have to you know, scan so much, but still use VR. So no. Right. Um, I, I don't see the reason behind it. It's more of just seems that particular one seems more of a, just a benchmark of puffiness of look what we do. Uh, maybe, but I will say, as I said at the intro to this, that that Pimax 5k headset is the most immersive VR experience I have had. Now yeah. it takes a tank of a PC to drive it. In fact, I, probably need to dig it back out and try it again with my 3090 because I think I might be able to hit 90 FPS on some games now, finally. But I was benchmarking it with a 1070 and the 1070 was struggling in even some simple games. Like Gorn was averaging about 60 FPS when you really need to be at 90. Uh, I mean, and there were a number of other games that struggled as well. Even the lab had slowdowns down into the, you know, the 50s and 60s. Uh, so, yeah, it. there are a couple of things that I am genuinely excited with this headset, though. Uh, I mean, obviously, the bigger field of view. Obviously, hopefully, the elimination of the screen door effect. Although, there's only, like, one headset that's actually eliminated the screen door effect, and it's $6,000. Uh, yeah. And I don't even remember the manufacturer, but basically, they do a hybrid QLED LCD dual display thing with a, with a set of mirrors and uh, they lay one image on top of the other, so you get the benefits of LCD and the benefits of OLED with a wide field of view, but in the center of your vision, there is no screen door effect whatsoever. And on your periphery, where there is a screen door effect, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, drawing a blank on that headset manufacturer right now, but I'd like to try one. I mean, that'd be awesome. I I wonder if you could get uh, one of these if you uh, already did, you know, the, the five. I'm, I'm sure and, I could get one of these to review. Uh, yeah. And it, it, it might be interesting to see what leaps and bounds Pimax has taken. Um, so like I said, well, there, then, there are a couple of things that I am very intrigued by on this headset beyond the resolution scope. Number one is it's coming with a built-in Ygig module uh, for wireless VR which is something we've been asking for forever. Uh, I mean, that's why I switched from the HTC Vive to a Quest 2 as a daily yeah. driver is because the Quest 2 can run PC VR over Wi-Fi. And I have AC Wi-Fi up in my living room via a, uh, a Unify Nano HD point, which does a fantastic job at streaming all those frames at 90 FPS straight to my headset. Between that and inside out tracking, I put the headsets in a case and, and charge them. And then when I'm ready to play VR, I stream from my downstairs PC, which is connected on either one gig or 10 gig 
ethernet and just sling it wirelessly to whatever room of the house that I'm in. I don't have to have a dedicated VR space. I don't have to have sensors hanging on my wall. I don't have to have wires everywhere. I'm not tripping over things. Yeah. It's wonderful. Um, which by the way, let me know in the comments of this, not in the chat, but in the comments after this video goes live, if you guys want to see me test VR in a vGPU instance on Proxmox. Because that, that's an idea that I had this week. Like, why hasn't anyone done that yet? VR inside of a virtual machine, let alone splitting it up into multiple, multiple virtual machines. Because I think that could be fun. Toothpick22 says, hello from Salem, Oregon. Hello, neighbor. Yeah. You're closer than almost everyone else watching. <laughs> He's closer than I am. Closer than John is. John is further away from me than you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, YGIG, uh, built-in YGIG functionality. Uh, so you could put a transmitter on your wall. Now, this is still YGIG and not straight-up Wi-Fi. So there is still going to be a a PC component to this and and some wiring and, and visual... Yeah, but why wireless to your VR headset? I think it's kind of hard to complain about them adding in that feature. Uh, number two is inside out optical tracking. Uh, that has really been the way of the industry. Obviously, Oculus did it first uh, with the uh, the Rift S. Uh, and then later on in their Quest headsets with the Quest 1 and the Quest 2. Uh, and I've never looked back. I've never, with the exception of like one or two games that were really designed for over-the-head action, um, I've had very little trouble with uh, the Quest 2 with inside-out tracking. So adding inside-out tracking that works with uh, Valve's index controllers into your headset. So no more light boxes, no more lighthouses, just a YGIG transmitter or an HDMI or USB-C cable. And yep. you're off and running. Those are big improvements to VR. No, I mean, early on, even back when, uh, we, you know, the bar days and, and the VR arcade, those are all the biggest struggles. I mean, you were even talking about all oh, investing in a backpack and everything like that to to get around. I was. Um, though the wireless was just being rumored and talked about when back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, we were always constantly talking. About, Man, we just can't wait till you know it's wireless and we can just move around. It's gonna be so much fun. And um, I remember even when the inside out tracking was even talked about, it was like, ah, you can't reach too high. It's come leaps and bounds. Um, all of this technology and it's just going faster and faster. And VR is getting really affordable. I think the, um, what was it? The, what was the, um, one you bought the Google or the Facebook one, the quest Two. quest Two. Yeah. quest Two. I think quest Two was this big revolutionary VR headset that made it affordable for the consumer. It was almost like I uh, maybe the NES of of uh because it was right. a family consumer VR head. No, more more like the Switch or, or the Wii, the Wii. It was more like the Wii cuz it brought more people in. It did. Um yeah, uh no, I don't think you're wrong with that that comparison. Um I mean, think of what VR was yeah. when 
I was running the VR arcade. VR was an HTC Vive, which was $900 when you got yeah. everything all together. $799 plus, you know, whatever extensions and cables and, and whatnot you needed. Uh, I mean, it was just for the headset and controllers and long enough cabling to reach your PC, you could easily hit $900 to $1,000. And that's just yeah. the headset. That's not the PC graphics card monitor. Let alone... Every- it was recommended you have a GTX 1070 or higher. 1080 was obviously the preference there, or even 1080 Ti or Titan if you had it, because Pascal was the graphics card of the day. So you needed a six to $800 graphics card for the premium experiences that VR had to offer. So you're yeah. already into it 1800 bucks, and we haven't even talked about the rest of your PC yet, or the space needed to play it, or mounting your tracking sensors, or cable management yeah. on your ceiling or everything else. I mean, VR was, for all intents and purposes, a $2,500 to $3,000 single-player, single single setup. Uh, Today, you can go to Best Buy and buy an Oculus Quest for $299, and that is literally all you need for that same level of VR. Yeah, I mean, that's it. And you can download the games on your phone and, you know, from your phone and, and upload it to it. And boom, you're off and running. Yeah. Um, that, the, the reason I guess I, I kind of ex- think it's more like the the Wii is because even my my parents now have it, but they use it more for exercise. Right. And it's like, oh, that's what pe- people used to do with the Wii, mm-hmm. of, with the bowling. It got them up and moving. You, you got the bowling, you got the Wii Fit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and then that also got my oldest brother, who doesn't even like video games. He's like, oh, this is fun because I'll... I'll sync them up with my kids. Yeah, and we'll go. We'll go do competition stuff with my kids of like uh, archery thing or something like that. And we can just literally sit on the couch, and I don't have to have a big graphics card. It was to buy two of them, four hundred dollars. Yeah, and it's like, hey, that's a great family gift and a mm-hmm. budget for a family gift. Yeah, you know, especially a large family of six. So it's like, yeah, that's great. So I think with. Stuff like this, although we don't know the price of this, and this is obviously a premium uh, product. Yes. That's what they're aiming for. This isn't going to be the everyday driver, but those other VR headsets introduce people into it, and there are enthusiasts like yourself that Mm -hmm. this is kind of starting to bridge the gap a bit more. Let's just hope it's not in that, you know, seven, eight hundred dollar price range. Well, the I think the Pimax uh, 12K is likely going to be in that thousand to fifteen hundred dollar range. This is not an entry level headset. This is going to be an enthusiast level VR headset. Something like the the HTC Vive Pro, something like the uh, the Valve Index. Um, It's going to be in that echelon of of enthusiast products. But it's these types of products that push the industry forward that yeah. allows us to have more entry-level products later on. I've, I've said that time and time again about a number of different technologies. Um, is trickle-down works in consumer electronics and enterprise electronics, but not in actual consumerism. Uh, anyway, speaking of entry-level VR, uh, we do have a little bit of a leak from Oculus themselves uh, in the form of a new Quest headset, potentially. Uh, Now, someone in the comments or in the chat said uh, that, I love the Quest 2, but it is a a bit front-heavy. That was uh, Michael. There it is. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, like I said, my daily driver now 
when I play VR is the Quest 2. Uh, via either native apps on there. Uh, I have I have Beat Saber and a whole bunch of songs on there just natively so I can just fire it up and go. Um, or PC VR. So I've got Gorn and Half-Life Alex and, and all the other, you know, high-end uh, PC VR experiences. <laughs> Although I guess Gorn is available for the Quest 2 as well. But... Uh, the number one complaint about it is, yeah, it's only three, it's only two ninety nine, but it's a bit front heavy, and and you need to spend more money on ergonomics and upgrades and things like that to make it truly daily drivable or or consumer friendly for entry level people. Uh, yeah, I don't mind strapping it to my face and playing for two hours, but I have the kind of endurance that I'm happy with that, <laughs> and I'll live with the sore well, nose at the end of the day. Well, yeah, you're also, you know, an enthusiast, so you know what right. you're getting into. I've also been using VR headsets since the original Oculus dev kit uh, as yeah. a Kickstarter backer. <laughs> like, gosh. Oh, that made me throw up. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, I, I got my VR legs all the way back then with the original Oculus dev kit. Uh, the, uh, the, gosh, it wasn't the CV one, it was the whatever um yeah you all know the the square one with the seven inch lcd on it that was only 720p and had no positional tracking it was rotational only yeah. um, uh. now luckily it could be driven with anything so i actually did that a lot with my alienware uh m14x but, with yeah. like a with like a kepler mobile card on it um but uh yeah it was not it was not a great experience there were a couple experiences that i used to show off uh to people like hey this is vr this is like the future of gaming right here and then there are some that i kept just to myself like the 3d space simulator that was like an, you're an x-wing fighter flying through space and you either have an xbox controller or a joystick and it's six degrees of freedom and and you're doing barrel rolls and, and flips and somersaults and dogfighting in 3d space with nothing but rotational head tracking and so yeah. you're trying to lock onto an enemy and one wrong quick spin of your head and you're literally like vomit comet. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. No, we, we did that. And I remember you brought it over to my house yeah. with some friends and it was a poker night. And so I, I remember people were like losing on purpose mm -hmm. to just like go play and people would be watching at the corner of their eyes. Cause I think we even had them on like a chair with wheels, yeah. <laughs> which made it yeah. kind of even worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because all of a sudden your body can shift like this. Your body yeah. shifting with it, and you're just like, Bleh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, that was a that was a trip. Uh, having having that set up uh, and going from there. But like I said, on the entry level side of things, there's a new uh, Oculus VR headset likely coming sometime next week. Now we don't have a lot of information on this. What we do know is. Well, we, we do know a couple things. Number one, this will either be a Quest 2 Pro or a Quest 3, although the naming is still kind of up in the air. But either way, we should be looking at a pretty decent upgrade to the existing Quest 2, as far as hardware specs go. Uh, now, via uh, Twitter user uh, Basti564, uh, we have this animation right here, which show which is an Oculus-created animation which shows a new design for an Oculus headset. Um, and I don't know if you can pick up on this right away. 
full body tracking. Watch the end of it where she jumps with her avatar and they do the same moves at each other. Uh, right here. Full body tracking, inside out. And what we see is a little bit more compact uh, headset in the front with what looks like a battery around the back, which should help with front to back weight distribution, which again is one of the yep. biggest complaints for the Quest 2. If this ends up being a Quest Pro, or let's say something with a little bit bigger field of view, maybe instead of, uh, gosh, what's the lens name? Instead of Fresnel lenses, we get uh, a better camera ventricular. Ventricular. I'm, I'm trying to remember the nomenclature for uh, the lens types. Anyway, there's uh, Fresnel lenses, which is what most VR headsets use, which leads to god rays and shimmering and, and color... Uh, uh, chromatic aberration and that kind of thing versus, um, gosh, I'm drawing a blank. I'm, I'm even a camera guy and I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. Uh, anyway, just more straight up light bending lenses instead of Fresnel lenses. Uh, you end up with a better, a better image. You end up with thinner lenses, a lighter headset, and you can actually get closer to the LCD panel. If I'm the speculative type, and again, we can talk speculation on this show, I'm guessing they're using that that lens technology in, instead of the existing Fresnel lens technology, which would be a significant improvement uh, to the Quest 2 and would do away with a lot of the visual complaints that people have about the headset. Again, for 300 bucks, I, I have very few complaints about the Oculus Quest 2. Yeah, I, I, I just... Until it's confirmed, mm -hmm. I don't want this to be a Nintendo OLED situation when it was supposed to be, or Switch OLED, when it was supposed to be, oh, we're getting a brand new Switch, here's all the cool stuff we're going to get, you know, an upgraded screen, it's going to do 4K, uh, all this stuff, we speculated because there's patents out and everything already for it, they have a new controller thing. Yeah. Um, and then Nintendo and then we went, get, well, fine, now we're not going to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so it's like, oh yeah, here's a new battery pack, and it, it's 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 lighter, and um, yeah, because the an because just because that animation cartoon looks more like an advertisement, maybe it's full body tracking, maybe it's just something to draw people in. Yes, but if you've uh, seen previous, now if this was just from some promotional company, I'd say yeah, you're probably right. But seeing as these animations are direct from Oculus. They're, they don't do animations of a different headset. That I mean, they're trying to sell the product, and the product well, yeah. is whatever yes, but that I, person has on their face. But they're also probably trying to sell the environment that they're trying to portray, you know, where they, again, back when the old, do you remember the old but, uh, but they're not going packs that the, the Super Nintendo had when you're shooting, you feel all your body oh yeah and it oh was, yeah the, the know, two games then, that supported it yeah exactly and they had uh commercials of guys getting hit and everything was like and then you buy it and just a little zap and yeah and it's like no it's they'll sell you on a concept yes but I, but but i just don't want that but i'm not saying it could be i don't want that i'll wait till next week right to praise this what i'm saying is modern advertisers don't do that nearly as often as they used to 
And and Nintendo was right up there with the worst of them as far as yeah. the power glove. It's so bad. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, and and full motion too. tracking, and and you get it, and it's like, no, I said go up, damn it. Yeah. Um, right, and it played like four games, and then there was like the NES track and field. There was Rob. There was the Virtual Boy. I mean, yeah. I mean, you go or down Nintendo's list of advertisements. Even even modern. Uh, I remember the Wii with Zelda. You can sword fight. Oh there God, with Sky, the Skyward want. Sword advertisements. Yeah. Oh. No, you you get down 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 you know that's all you're doing you know that's probably the best counterpoint you could bring up is nintendo and bethesda as far as modern advertisements go because they're like skyrim vr it's like you're there and to swing your sword you literally do this in vr and it might swing the sword it might not and if you want to do yeah. a heavy attack you come from overhead and it might swing your sword and it might not and i just i just don't want to, i really hope this is uh, a you know an upgrade or a, a whole new system um i hope it's just not hey we heard your complaint mm-hmm. and here is you know the oculus 2 pro and it's just it's even if it's they heard all of our complaints and they fixed the weight distribution and the the lens flares and god rays and they upped the field of view ever so slightly that alone yeah. is a pretty significant so, upgrade when you're yeah, talking a three hundred dollar no, headset. I, mean, I, I guess if if they just called it the Oculus Two Pro or Oculus Two like S, yeah, something like that, they just still said it's the original one. We just upgraded the model. You know, like how they do the PlayStation, uh, you know, whatever, and they thin it down. PS Two Slim, you know, yeah, the Slim, whatever, or the Xbox Three Sixty Small, or, or you know, the arcade version. That's fine. That's fine then. But if they were going to claim this is a whole brand new model. And then only did those smaller things. I would have. I would be like. I'd be disappointed. Yeah. If it is just a minor upgrade again, because it's still technically a rumor, and it's probably going to be announced next week because they have that event coming up next week. Yeah, they have Facebook Connect coming up. Yeah. And it's assumed again, not confirmed, but assumed that it's probably going to be announced there. After that, then I'll, you know, there I'll put my judgment then. I think that's fair. So, yeah. I did get into a little bit of, I'm hoping for this. I'm hoping yeah. what I see there is what materializes. But again, we have no specs. We have no confirmations. We don't even have leaked specs to, to gawk over. But you, yeah. but you know what? You know what you never have to worry about? That's Linode over-promising and under-delivering. And they just so happen to be the sponsor of today's episode. If you've ever needed to host your own servers, whether it be for home or business use, why isn't my video playing? Probably because I host my own servers. And you need to host it on Linode. And I need to host them on Linode. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold. Hold. There we go. Today's episode is brought to you by Linode. If you've ever needed to host your own servers, whether it be for home or business use, but don't have the resources or time to invest into hardware, power, cooling, (laughs) or even space, why not let Linode host them for you? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes the software for most tutorials on my channel, like how to run your own ad-blocking recursive DNS server, VPN gateway, your own cloud-based Plex server, and more. Linode makes it simple to deploy and manage your own cloud services, with solutions ranging from a single shared CPU to massive multi-core virtual machines. They even offer dedicated RTX 6000 GPUs for graphic rendering or machine learning. 
With shared CPU plans starting at as little as $5 per month and scaling up to as high as you need to go, you'll be able to find a hosting plan that fits your needs. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Visit linode.com slash craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit just for signing up for a new account. That's linode.com slash craftcomputing and thank you again to Linode for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you, Linode. Thank you. John can drink for another day. Yay! Speaking of drinking, how is your ghost gluten-free pumpkin beer I'll, ghost fish? You know, honestly, it really didn't change. It, it, it started as fairly solid, would have again, nothing remarkable, but nothing nothing really to like knock it down points either other than it body-wise is a little thin for I think the flavor that it has. I would like it a little bit thicker. Oh, did you finally get a pumpkin okay. seed? Yes. <laughs> All right, I don't know if you can see it. Oh my God. This is you, literally like, you have like Cheeto like fingers. Yeah, that came out of the beer. Oh God. Oh God. Do, do, do you and need it, a minute, it, John? <laughs> it is super thick now. Like... I, I, John swapped I his beer a, for an orange Julius while we weren't watching. If, if I, if I, I want to almost get a glass now just to show you. Um, I don't have anything to pour it into. Oh, oh well, get <laughs> it. Ah, oh, uh. mm. oh wow. wow, that looked now, see, that, that looked wrong. It, it it felt like I was drinking uh like canned pumpkin yeah <laughs> it tastes like it too that's where all the pumpkins at it's all powdery they didn't they didn't say shake well before serving did they it does mm. yes it does mm. invert and swirl cans before serving gotta read those directions john i do it was the last line anyway oh my gosh, this... like i said this it didn't really evolve and it's not it's not a bad beer by any means. It's it's pretty much what it advertises. It's it's a pumpkin flavored light ale, five percent. It's not overly hoppy, it's not overly sweet. It's it's like a lager with just a little bit of pumpkin, but it's a it's a decent tasting lager. So I really have no complaints. I mean I can't I'm not gonna give it a four and a half on untapped. Like I said, this is probably a 3.0. But there's nothing wrong with no it either. Complaint. Yeah. All right. Uh, what are you going for next? I think I'm going to go for the Dead and Dead Barrel Aged Dead Guy Ale. Oh, good choice. Yes. Whiskey Barrel. John, what are you uh, cracking open there, sir? Hi, since we are going sticking with Halloween themed or um, another pumpkin. You know, no, 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 no. This is this is a brewery themed. Um, oh. Yes, uh, it is a Imperial IPA by Nightmare Brewing. Ooh. So kind of some pretty spooky graphic Ooh, labels like there. Yeah, they do some really cool artwork. Uh, but ten point one percent double IPA with Cryo Mosaic and Cryo Citra. For dinner, I usually don't have a beer on at dinner on Wednesdays, but I, I opened a beer today. Uh, I had a 12-ounce uh, cryo stash from Hop Valley. 
which mm. if you've never had one of the, I know John has, but if you've never had oh. one of those, they are a phenomenal Northwest Imperial IPA. Uh, for the price, yeah. Especially for the price. It's 8.7%. Uh, and it's cryo and mosaic hops, but it's yep. uh, it's freeze-dried uh, uh, hops. Pellet hops, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's just a fantastic, very hop-forward, very Northwest IPA. And yeah, if you're looking for that and you're on a budget, if you're if you're basically, I consider that one the best um, ABV IPA bang for your buck. I I'd put it right up there. I certainly would. Yeah, um, I think it's like two fifty, and you they come in like the nineteen point five ounce can. Yeah, yeah, you can Something find like it that. like like in the Northwest, you can find it at almost any grocery store for yeah. between between two and three dollars usually about yeah. 250 um but 8.7 percent imperial ipa and flavor for dollar abv per dollar it's literally among it, the top it, yeah top five at least right so. like waldo gives it a run for its money when it comes out at two bucks for a 12 ounce yeah although basically this tastes like a, a nicer craft, not craft. I mean, no, it's, well, it's technically not, but uh, more love. You know, a little smoother, a little more multi balanced version of that. Actually, that's what it tastes like, like cryostat. Hmm. Ah, uh, dead and dead is so good. I love this time of year because because uh, this time of year the the pumpkin beers come out. But also the barrel aged beers start coming out, and yep. so uh, let's see. This week I picked up a six pack of twenty twenty one Narwhal from Sierra Nevada. Um, I've got the Dead and Dead. I've got uh, oh Costco started carrying a three pack of Firestone, uh, yeah. including the twenty twenty one Parabola. <laughs> uh, like twenty bucks for three boxed twelve ounce Firestone beers. Like oh yeah. That's basically buy two, get one free. Or or almost half price. I mean, it, yeah. it's really closer to half price because normally like $15 for for a 12 ounce Parabola is a pretty good deal and maybe 25 for a bomber. Um, and most of their other box beers are very similar to that. Uh, so 20 bucks for a three pack. Yes, they're only 12 ounce, but that means you can drink them by yourself. You don't have to share. So. Yeah, that's why I like the, the, little, the little 12 ounce. One. Yeah, just enough for an individual serving, right? Especially when you're aiming for like the dessert beers or an ap well after dinner, you know, nightcap by the fireplace kind of thing. Um, twelve ounces is a good one to have. I'm 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 happy to see more twelve ounces coming out instead of everything being in bombers. Um, and I I have to think it has something to do with the pandemic because I haven't opened hardly any bombers in the last eighteen months. Because I have no one to share them with. Oh, I know. That's well. That's the problem. Is I have. It's so as you can, might see. There's a big, this side, big beer fridge behind me. Most of it is now big bombers. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I, I bought this and I, I age it, but I purposely wait for people to come over, like friends, new ret, and right. other other friends. And the past year and a half, it's been 
well, no one's coming over. Well, those these beers still get released. <laughs> right. It's not like I'm not going to buy them. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I'm not going to buy it. I got to buy it. I want to try it. And, and well, the best part, too, is, you know, uh, tap rooms and everything are trying to get places to come in. So they'll they'll get it on draft as well. So I'm like, well, great. I bought it. I'd like eight ounces of that, please, too, you know, on yes. draft. I want to just, ah, I got it myself. Yeah. Now, well. I guess I can wait. I'll wait longer. Yep. It doesn't go to waste. Yep. But I have so many beers, and I'm like, well, where, when's Jeff coming over? <laughs> <laughs> no, right. When's Steve coming over? Like every time Steve comes over, it's like, uh, oh, we wake up the next day. Like, what do we do? Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> but even then, it's like, okay, I know there are particular beers that Steve will like. So I was like, okay, or that you will like. Right. And I, I kind of almost. Uh, plan ahead of like okay these ones over here for jeff okay so 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 yeah steve gets the uh the barley wines and the the real thick barrel aged not the stouts but the real thick barrel aged everything else um basically when i come over it's 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 dark beers and germans and when rhett comes over it's just about anything else it's it, well I, you can give right anything because he's like oh i got you know right uh rainier so I was like, anything tastes great yeah. here <laughs> try the sierra nevada pale i know he's like i drink rainier and gilgamesh right. this is all great <laughs> i still have that old-fashioned uh themed beer from gilgamesh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh another another one for rhett it was like hey we can all all try this it's probably gonna taste horrible <laughs> yep 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 all right let's go ahead and move on to today intel finally released or at least the reviews went live for intel alder lake the new desktop cpu from intel 12th generation core technology however this one comes with a bit of a twist number one we are again seeing a brand new socket in lga 1700 which means you will need updated cooler mounts or new compatible coolers to cool these chips you can't transfer your old ones over unless your cooler manufacturer makes you a new bracket so keep that in mind uh number two we are coming with a brand new architecture. Uh, well, it's still core architecture, but they have made some significant changes. First and foremost, DDR5 is now on the desktop. Now, Alder Lake chips have both DDR4 and DDR5 memory controllers. However, there will be no boards that support both. Intel has stated the board manufacturers are to include DDR4 or DDR5 support, they cannot mix and match slots like they did at the beginning of the DDR4 introduction, uh, specifically with uh, some server motherboards, as well as, uh, gosh, I want to say it was some Skylake CPUs, uh, had like two DDR3 and two DDR4 slots, so you could carry over your old memory. None of that, every board you see will either be DDR4 or DDR5. Secondly, PCI Express 5.0. There are 16 PCI Express Gen 5 lanes on every single chip, uh, as well as, uh, gosh, was it eight lanes of PCIe 4.0 and an additional eight lanes of what Intel is calling, hold on, what was the nomenclature for that? I don't remember. Anyway, there's essentially eight more lanes of bus traffic between the chipset and integrated peripherals that is not shared on the PCI bus. Um, 
So things like your SATA controller or additional NVMe slots or your Ethernet controller, they can all go on that bus uh, controller that has a maximum of about 16 gigabit per second bandwidth. So a pretty nice little addition to expand the availability of I.O. on these chips. Now, again, you're still limited to the 16 PCI Express 5.0 and the 8 PCI Express 4.0. We are getting a little bit, kind of, of a reduction in core counts. Uh, We are going from a 10 core maximum back down to an 8 core maximum. Uh, So gone are the oddball 10 cores. Uh, of the you know 11900k and 11850 and so on, uh, we ha- essentially have three SKUs available in two variants. We have the i9-12900K, also available in the F in the KF SKU, which is overclockable without onboard graphics. We also have the 12700K and 12700KF, and the 12600K and 12600KF. The difference being the core counts on these. Now you might notice a little bit of an odd core count here. This is because of a, we've compared this a couple of times to ARM's big little architecture where they have some performance cores as well as some high efficiency cores. Uh, Also the Apple M1 chip as well as the M1 Pro and the M1 Max also have this with higher performance cores as well as higher efficiency cores. We're seeing that same thing on the Intel desktop side of things now. With the 12900K having eight performance cores and eight efficiency cores with a total of 24 threads. Now, it should be noted that only the performance cores are getting hyper-threading. So you have eight cores and 16 threads of performance cores and eight cores, eight threads of efficiency cores. Base clock of 2.4, max clock of 3.9 for the efficiency. On the performance cores, we have a base of 3200 and 5200 for a turbo. This has a base wattage of 125 watts and a turbo wattage of 241. Now, that's a change I'm kind of excited about because what is the TDP of a given Intel chip? It's been kind of a, you test it and we'll figure it out. Uh, Because Intel's 95 watt SKUs would regularly draw about 200 watts. W- WTF, you might ask. Yep. Uh, well, their TDP rating was the thermal load at the max uh, non-turbo frequency. However, Intel CPUs like to turbo. They like to be able to draw power. Well, with more power comes more current. And with more current comes higher wattage. Uh, so a 95 watt TDP chip would run at its base clock of 3.8 gigahertz at a at 95 watts, no problem. But when it turbos to 5.2 on two cores and then 4.8 on the rest of them, guess what? It's drawing 195. Uh, so plan your cooling accordingly. Now they are giving us two different TDPs. The hundred or the base wattage is the uh, wattage at which it will run if the efficiency cores and the performance cores are all running at max non-turbo. Uh, the turbo wattage is what it will run when it was running at the turbo frequency. So 5.2 gigahertz and 3.9 gigahertz respectively between the two cores. Uh, then i9 will have a starting price of $589 and that is a per 1000 SKU. So expect to see it closer to the 650 range if I were to guess. Uh, starting all the way down at the i5-12600KF, 
which is a six core performance, 12 thread, uh, with four efficiency cores for a total of 16 threads, uh, 125 watt base and a 150 watt turbo base will start at $265. So basically it just sounds like it's more of a, they worked on their power consumption issues on these. Um, that seems to be the, the big thing of like power to efficiency is what I really get. Yes, yes, at, yes, but also no. Um, because we're still seeing higher wattage draw than we did on the previous generation. But what Intel is saying is that the efficiency cores, they have crammed them into a smaller space. And so you can fit four efficiency cores into the same physical space as one core from a Skylake die. And so the efficiency okay. cores are really where the power savings are from. But overall, the TDP on the chip has gone up significantly because they used to rate an 11900K. I think it was at 105 watts. And we all know, we all know those chips did not draw 105 watts, even at stock speeds with an Intel box cooler on them. I mean, you, you could easily get 150 out of just about any chip let alone the 200 that a lot of them drew, even at stock settings. Uh, now they're giving us a base wattage of 125 watts, uh, which sounds more appropriate, but we've also got essentially almost double the core count. It's just eight of them are lower power and eight of them are higher power. Well, that's what I, I was trying to get. It, it does seem like, yes, you're getting more wattage, but mm -hmm. it's not that huge of a jump. It, so it just seems to be it's a little bit more of an efficient. Yeah. It's, it's like if you were to get an engine, you got an E-engine. <laughs> These are E-Intel. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, they, they're they eco-friendly or whatever to where you're going to get that extra uh, 15 miles per gallon and an extra uh, 20 horsepower. Uh, type of a thing right so um price wise they're all within about what would be expected of all intel prices price wise so, i'm i'm not all that surprised and actually yeah. from some of the early benchmarks that i've seen today now this is a paper launch as everything else in 2020 and 2021 has been a paper launch these are going to be hard to find for a number of months Sorry, the chip shortage is not going away simply because Intel announced something new. Uh, this, it's going to be hard to find these. Uh, I've seen a couple. I've seen a couple of them in the wild, and reviewers that I've talked to, they're they're trying to get the reviews out, but at the same time, they're not like trying to get them out today because if they don't get them out today, no one's going to watch. No one's going to watch them anyway is yeah. is the problem is because you all are so disenthused by new technology because either a it's too expensive or b we can't buy it anyway that they're okay missing the zero day and honestly it's not going to really hurt their channels or their websites so why put in the 30 hours of benchmarking in 35 hours of time when you could just release a day or two late like i know probably a dozen different reviewers who are doing that, who said just said like, yeah, we missed the day because we didn't get our shipment on time. And then we had the weekend come up and then it's like, I'm not going to bust my ass on Monday and Tuesday to publish a video at 9 a.m. Wednesday morning. I'm just going to publish it Thursday afternoon. 
Anyway, some of the early yeah. benchmarks and reviews that I've seen are fairly positive and Intel has taken a step forward. Um, it was kind of expected that they would kind of jump back into the realm of competitiveness because they've been, let's just say, lackluster since eighth generation. Uh, especially when the ninth generation came along and they're like, we don't have anything new. Hey, look, we put eight cores into a space that we said we can only fit four cores a, a year and a half ago. Ha ha. But no, Ryzen didn't force our hand. This was our decision, damn it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, they are returning to competitiveness. And in some gaming benchmarks, I'm seeing 10 to 12% leads over Ryzen 5600Xs and 5950Xs. Um, I'm, I'm also seeing... Uh, they're still losing in performance per watt, but at least they're winning at performance per dollar in some metrics. Uh, yeah. Honestly, that i5 with only six cores, but a total of 16 threads at $265, that's a pretty tempting price point. Right now, the only thing you can get right there is the 3600. You can't even get a 5600 for that price. Uh, and so if you can actually get a, a an i5-12600K or KF, for under $299, that's a pretty compelling gaming build right there. Uh, if you can jump up to an i7 or an i9, that's a great workstation workhorse. You know, you've got 16 PCI Express 5.0 lanes. Not that anything will use 5.0 at this point, uh, but supports DDR5 memory. If you have uh, tasks that are highly memory intensive, Maybe you don't need DDR4 3200. Maybe you can jump straight to DDR5 4200 and essentially get quad channel speeds out of a dual channel set. So there's definitely use cases to be had with this current offering from Intel. And it's nice to see that Intel isn't just laying on the mat. Now, I don't think this is going to be the be-all, end-all architecture for Intel. I know they are still working on moving on from their core architecture. Uh, as I've said many times, they're essentially running on a refined architecture from the Nehalem days back in 2008. Uh, and there's a reason they're simply calling this 12th generation core is because at its core, this is the same exact process that has been used since Nehalem with, with minor tweaks and additions. But the instruction sets are all the same. The memory controllers have been updated twice, first to DDR4 and later to DDR5, uh, but they're on the same core principles. They're built on the same architecture. Intel's gotta be cooking up something new, but like I said, it's gonna take three to four years to do that. We're in year two. I don't expect to see anything new even announced until at least CES 2023 from Intel, as far as a new architecture to eliminate or move on from core. But this is exciting. It's it's exciting to see Intel not just resting on their laurels and honestly doing what AMD did for five years while they were kicking Ryzen up, which is nothing. I mean, AMD was pretty much left for dead as far as the CPU space goes, there were rumors abound that Apple was looking to acquire them for some time. Uh, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the five years between Bulldozer and Ryzen were not good years to AMD. And they, they never did get off the mat 
until 2017 when they introduced Ryzen. And even then it was like, well, at least they're they're making noise and they're competitive in the multi-threaded space, but they don't have a CPU to bring it to Intel's top dog uh, as far as the single-threaded performance space. But, you know, now, four years later, all of a sudden they're kicking Intel's butt and taking their lunch money. Oh, yeah. In every uh, category at all. Right. Price, performance, even single-thread. Well, yeah. I guess technically single-thread if you overclock it with a super ice chilled system then Intel was if you have two better. circuits in your hotel room and a and an enterprise <laughs> chiller you too can get five gigahertz on a 28 core 8080 yeah I mean so technically uh that'll work all right hang on I want to try this uh I gotta I gotta clear glass. oh boy oh boy track I, I got down. the rest of this so I, I want to see this so that is that is thick <laughs> and 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 just to prove the I have a spoon. Oh God! So that is just coating the oh. spoon. That's like baby food. I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say it's Gerber. Uh, Look at that! Just thick. Gerber brand pumpkin paste. That just what a growing good. toddler needs. Mm. Oh, yummy! I didn't realize you opened a can of pie filling, John. That's <laughs> basically what it is. Uh, I mean, that might have helped. That's all the pumpkin. Yeah. That probably would have helped that apple flavor I was getting. Yeah. So, wanted to share that with everyone. Maybe I'll drink that in the after show. What it makes me so, think, John, is that Nightmare Brewing, uh, or no, uh, that wasn't Nightmare. That was the other company. That was, um, yeah, some other one. Yeah. It makes, me, it makes me think they had a recipe for a jammy sour that had at like an they had like an apple or a, a fruit well, yeah, jammy they did, sour. They, I have a I have a peach cobbler okay. of that. Yeah, so it makes me think they had already made a jammy sour and instead of adding peach, they added pumpkin. Because that's just pumpkin puree that you had at the bottom. And yeah. the notes that you were giving were very pleasant. It was apple and cinnamon and nutmeg and a little oatmeal and, and yeah. butter and whatnot. It's like, that sounds delicious. But where's the pumpkin? Oh, it was in the bottom third of the, the can. Bottom. Yep. <laughs> it makes sense now. Yes. But if you want to see me drink the rest of that, you need to join the Discord and join the after show. That is a super secret after show at the end of this. To do that, you need to go to the link in the description below. Below in the uh, the link in the description below. You okay, John? And there, yeah, too much pumpkin pie filling. Mm -hmm. It's just clogging my mouth. Uh, minimum donation of at least one dollar. Always more is appreciated, but it literally does turn and keep the lights on at Jeff's place. For that, you get access to the super secret Discord, where you get to talk to everyone. It's probably one of the best Discords you'll ever be at. And again, like I said, the super secret show where you get to see Jeff, I. And a lot of the other fellow Patreons and Discord members on there. And we chat for 45 minutes to an hour, sometimes a little more, about basically everything. What's in the background of everyone's house? What are we drinking? Um, what's going on? What's going on at your work? It's super fun. So if you want yep. to be a part of that, you need to join. Yes. Also, head on over to craftcomputing.store. Get yourself a pint glass, t-shirt, hoodie, whatever you may desire. We've got it over there. Uh, I'm looking at expanding products here pretty soon as well. Um, I've got a... Oh, you, need to, uh, you need to get that t-shirt going of the 
Raid's not a backup. Yeah, I, I'm looking at that one. Uh, I've actually talked to an artist. Uh, I'm trying to trying to do up a couple designs right, where like I've I've got some ideas for T-shirts and and actually some other merchandise as well. Um, but one of the first steps for that is getting an artist to do it up for me because I am not a graphic artist, let alone a regular artist. Uh, <laughs> like, like I can make a clip art silhouette sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've talked about how the channel art that I made for my channel was literally made the day after I filmed the first video. And I went, okay, I think I can upload this. And and I know I'm going to be called craft computing. So I need something that says beer and PCs and craft and and whatnot. Yeah, we'll do gray background and black font that kind of looks like a Star Trek font. Okay, that that works. And I, I guess like a green neon outline because I'm colorblind and can't do anything else. Uh, tell you what, I'll take the silhouette of a pint glass and a silhouette of a monitor and I'll kind of put them together. Yeah, I like that. Cool. That looks good. Run. A little matrix green in the background. Matrix green. Matrix green <laughs> and 50-50 gray. Those are my colors. Yeah. There we go. Uh, I know a graphic designer for Intel, actually. Uh, I could I could give you... She she does, as of right now, free consultation. So uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll shoot her your number, or you her number, and then that way you can contact her if you want. Yeah. Uh, she even did a free one for me of a a rabbit. Uh, this was a long time ago, but it was a rabbit uh, made out of hops. Mm -hmm. And so she's like, yeah, if you want it here, I just wanted to do a portfolio, and, and it looks really great. Nice. Um, she even did a few um, test runs for Ratchet Brewery. Oh, nice. For some of their canned stuff uh, that's coming out really soon. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, she, we'll she works we for the graphic artist department at intel nice so uh we do have a couple super chats to get to first off harley yeah. sends over five dollars thank you so much uh i don't think i'll be updating to 12th gen for some time i'm still running a 3770 it's it's kind of hard to beat a 3770 honestly as like it's kind of like the the nissan hard body or toyota tacoma of cpus like You've got all of the modern conveniences that you could ever ask for that are good enough. Is it, is it the latest Allison transmission? No, it's not. It's a solid five speed. Is it, you know, lifted? Does it have 12,000 pound towing capacity? No, but it's got a four cylinder that'll freaking run forever. Like, yep. like it's a great, great CPU. And there's nothing enticing to draw you into something newer without also upgrading everything else about your system because you're on DDR3, which is dirt cheap. You're on PCI Express 3.0, which supports all modern graphics cards. You have gigabit ethernet. You have USB 3.0. Oh, I don't have USB-C. Guess what? You can buy a 1X card that'll add USB-C to your PC. Uh, what else do you need? Like, honestly, if four cores and eight threads are enough for you, cool. Great system. Anyway, uh, $5, American Cosworth, drink one for my puppers. She decided to be a Frankenweenie this year, and she's having emergency surgery having eaten a plastic pumpkin. Oh, no. Ooh, oh, sorry, not good. Oh, my my thoughts go out to your Frankenweenie pupper. Uh, may may she do better. May, may she, she live a long pupper life because... Yeah. 
Puppers deserve that. And from the net guy, 20 bucks. Thank you so much. Diapers ain't cheap Jeff, cheap Jeff, nor are craft brews. Looking forward to John's rehoming video Friday. What's your thoughts on GPU prices in 2022 and 2023? Uh, first off, Go check out the net guy. He's got a great little YouTube channel cooking over in his yep. neck of the woods. Uh, and a pretty solid dude in his own right with a beard that kicks my butt. Anyway, uh, uh, thoughts on GPU prices. Um, I don't see a lot of relief in sight. And it, it, it honestly hurts me to say that because we're all enthusiasts here. I'm an enthusiast. You're an enthusiast. Everyone I, well, not everyone I talk to, but everyone I interact with like in my discord and on Twitter and anyone who follows me is probably also an enthusiast either for craft beer or for GPUs or oftentimes both. Uh, it hurts saying that most companies are saying buckle up until 2023. Uh, like it's not going to end anytime soon. The chip shortage, the shipping shortages, the labor shortages at shipping and receiving places, the, there's a there's a comeuppance coming for a lot of industries and all those have to happen before things are readily available again. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I don't have high hopes that in 2022, things are just going to magically get better, unfortunately. Uh, someone said I missed a super chat. Oh, I did. I saw that one come by and I completely forgot. Mike D sends over $12.37 Canadian. Uh, $12.37 Canadian bucks to match 10 freedom dollars. He did the math on the conversion. Thank you so much, Mike. Congrats on the new place, John. What's the easiest way to get Oregonian beers delivered to Montreal? Ooh, that one's hard because mm, over the border and yeah. especially right now, uh, stuff is being inspected. Although I did learn a, a nifty trick that if you are in the Discord, I don't want to say it over thing, ask me on the Discord. I did learn a nifty trick from a fellow friend of ours to help yes. with such things. Um, what I will say with is if you are shipping items which are normally considered contraband, not going to go into details there. Uh, if you are shipping items, let's say you send me a package of soda if you take a six pack of soda to the ups store and say hey i would like to ship this soda uh to oregon they'll say well what's inside the soda can i weigh the soda what kind of box do you need for the soda oh wait we can't ship this soda because it doesn't meet yep. our requirements uh it, it's it's not allowed to be on our trucks and our planes, etc. If you simply show up with a box that is already packed, taped closed, pre-labeled, pre-weighed, that you can just go here and then walk out the door, they don't second guess anything. Nope. That's all I'm saying. So you can that ship soda became water. So you can ship your soda. Now if you're talking about over country lines, I have to disclose that shipping alcohol across country lines is technically against the law. Uh, it's not a good idea. Don't attempt it. I'm not saying I haven't received any or sent any, but 
I'm just saying that pretty much every major carrier has it on well, their not allowed know. list, right? Yeah. So, but well, it some of them technically do, but it's so expensive because uh, it has to go by ground. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. And it's so expensive; it's ridiculous to do it. And mm-hmm. so, um, some carriers can legally do it, and it's oh, but it's only a for cer- certain ABV. Yeah. Uh, mostly liquors or even decent wines, no good. Can't go that. Can't go that way. Yeah. Um, and for something that low, and you're shipping, say, a bottle, and it's like a hundred dollars, you're like, this isn't worth it. <laughs> you know. Yep. So that soda you might be sending, you know, yeast so. sample in suspension is my favorite. Yep, uh, that's the one I've done. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Pre-package everything, pre-weigh everything, already have your labels printed and affixed to the boxes that you will be shipping out. Get a whale pod. Uh, yeah, um, whatever, yeah, try to limit as much sloshing yeah. as possible. Yeah, but go get yourself a whale pod, whalepod.com. I don't know why I don't have an affiliate link yet, but get yourself a whale pod. I think it's whalepod.com. Nope, it's not. Whalepod.com is available. Really? Hold on. For how much? Whalepodshipper.com. Whalepodshipper.com. They make boxes specifically designed for shipping 16-ounce cans, 19-ounce bottles, bottles of wine, etc. That's where you go is whalepodshipper.com. And knowing is half the battle. And knowledge is power. Oh. You know, you were talking about... Can you uh, tell we were born in the 80s? I know, right? <laughs> we, you were talking about... Um, Apple might buy Intel. (laughs) And uh, Apple has been making some pretty decent strides lately with uh, graphics cards and processors. Yes, they have. And uh, wow, they're, uh, I mean, when it first came out, we were first talking about her like, oh, Apple usually does. When they do their own stuff, it's usually really good quality. But still, there's that, okay, it's first gen, second gen. Let's see. Um, is it going to be even competitive? Right now, with Apple's new M1, um, things are looking very competitive. Yes. So we all know how good the M1 CPU is. Um, uh, so for those who don't know, I did buy an M1 MacBook Pro, uh, the 13-inch that was announced last year. I bought it like two weeks after release legitimately the best laptop I have ever owned. Um, battery life is astoundingly good. Uh, performance is just as good. Uh, I mean, it wasn't going to beat a desktop replacement PC with like desktop components and an RTX 3080 desktop card in it. Like, you know, some of the three inch thick Alienwares or gigabyte laptops that you see. But at 35 watts power draw, it gave just about everything else in its class a run for its money. That is sub $1,500. Discrete graphics or not. Uh, so it's kind of hard to say that in that Apple 
was not competitive. Now, graphics-wise, I will say they got dinged a little bit in, in the eyes of some people because they're like, well, my RTX 1650 is, is faster than that. Yeah, but the Apple graphics with the eight graphics cores on the M1 was competitive with like a 1050 Ti. Not exactly shabby territory for a laptop, especially given, again, that 35 watt total power draw. Yeah. Now, Apple has upgraded their M1 to include the M1 Max and the M1 Pro. And a lot of the attention went to the CPU performance, getting eight performance cores with two efficiency cores, uh, faster in all regards over the M1 MacBook Pro 13 inch. But what was kind of glossed over was the graphics performance increase, which also not only doubled, but also quadrupled. Uh, so the M1 had either seven or eight graphics cores, depending on which variant of the M1 that you bought. There were a couple different variants out there in the MacBook Air, as well as the Mac Mini. Uh, but you had either seven or eight graphics cores or compute units or graphic compute units or whatever the bloody heck you want to call them. Uh, the new M1 Max or M1 Pro has 16 graphics cores of the same technology. Uh, the new M1 Max has 32 graphics cores of the same technology. So if we're already yep. talking that the eight, eight graphic compute units in the M1 were matching a 1050 Ti, we're talking a four times increase on the raw compute performance of that graphics card. Now, if you're a little in the dark about what that might mean, that means that the M1 Max in benchmarks today is match is no not theoretically in tested benchmarks oh okay i thought this was no this is not theory this is this is uh because it released on monday and so benchmarks oh, have already okay. hit the street okay. uh okay. benchmarks that have hit the street put the m1 max at matching amd rx 6800 mobile and rtx 3080 mobile in gfx5 bench That is impressive. That's impressive. That is very, very impressive. That's your gamer's laptop right there in a, what is it? How many millimeters thick? Right. You know, ultra battery life. Correct. Uh, now, now there, they are, now there is a slight right. caveat to this in that the manufacturer laptop tested is the 3080 mobile 100 watt variant. There are 160 watt mobile variants as well. We're not talking about those. What we are talking about is like the Max Q design, the the silent and slim ultrabook, but still freaking powerful RTX 3080, which is still nothing to shake a stick at. Uh, but matching the RX 6800M as well as the RTX 3080 mobile, that's an achievement. I mean, those are not slouches as far as graphics cards go desktop or mobile it really doesn't matter uh anyway john i interrupted you oh uh no i was just saying that they're basically you know how it, throughout all of time apple has been considered it's a really good computer these are always good good mm -hmm. good computers they're not gaming computers right this is you're gonna get a really good computer 
and it's a gaming computer right. and it's ultra thin and it's got great battery power they're trying to get the whole market finally yeah. they're going after it and they're going after it very very hard yes and uh it's it's looking really really good um yeah it's essentially if the game if you could start playing games on your macbook uh pros your m1 uh max or whatever you know on the pros people are going to buy those things up yeah so fast and um as far as i know i don't think apple's even having a shortage of stuff don't they produce some of their stuff here locally no they're uh they're mostly are they Samsung or TSMC right now? I I, I don't. I know well, Nvidia is on Samsung's five nanometer. Um, Samsung? Or, no, it was, was it Toshiba or Samsung saying they were going to open a plant here? Gosh, now you got me second guessing. Um, I think it was Toshiba. System on chip. Uh, M1 made by TSMC. Yeah, TSMC. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. For some reason, I thought it was local. Yeah, no. Uh, or I thought it, I thought it was a company that was going to be building a uh, a plant locally here within the next year or two. <laughs> uh, you know, I think that was Samsung that was rumored to be yeah, doing a five nanometer plant. Samsung, yeah, 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 yeah. Samsung, Samsung. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Apple M ones are manufactured by TSMC. Um, now here's the deal. Uh, Manufacturing space right now is just a bidding war. And I don't know if you know this, but Apple has more cash than anyone. Apple has more cash than most countries do. Uh, yeah. So money talks and they can bid whatever they want. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, but Intel ain't going to win that bid. NVIDIA ain't going to win that bid. AMD ain't going to win that bid. It's TSMC. Or it's Apple who's going to win that bid with TSMC. Um. And yes, I've seen the Quinn Twitter post with the notch and the hidden UI and whatnot. Who would have predicted that? Honestly, that a hardware change wouldn't have been graphically feasible with existing products. I personally never saw that coming. Yeah, the notch was a bad idea. The notch was poor design, although it was designed in favor of this is our now our brand language instead of here's the actual best design for what pros want. In an in an announcement that was 100% about what professional users want. We want ports back. We want our function yeah. keys back. We want higher <laughs> resolution screens. We want better battery life. Like we want better bar. performance. I don't bar, need your bar. damn emoji bar. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I can't live on two lightning ports with a shared bus alone. I, I need a headphone and a microphone jack. I need a damn SD card reader. Like what do pros actually need? They listened to everything. And then they said, oh, we're going to add this little cutesy notch in there because we can. Because otherwise, you know, just the design aesthetic with the webcam and the light sensor would just be totally put. Make your bezel that much thicker on the top. I don't give a crap. And it requires no software intervention whatsoever. But instead, now we have a non-uniform resolution that we have to deal with. And you have to design around that area as a programmer. And the way you handle it in the OS versus in applications is different from one another. 
And if you haven't seen Quinn from Snazzy Labs uh, Twitter post where he's freaking out about how this is possibly a consumer product, I agree with him. How is that possibly a consumer ready product? Number one, the notch is there simply so Apple doesn't have to sell LCD panels and they they can source their own LCD panels and no one else can get them so they don't have to worry about people replacing their own screens in three years when they break them. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hit to write to repair, not a design feature. It's not something pros were asking for. I've never heard a pro say, you know, I wish this was one millimeter thinner. Yeah. You know what I've heard? I wish this had four extra hours of battery life. You know what I, I wish? wish I had, you, I had you know two what? Two extra, four extra ports. Right. I wish I had full size H, two full size HDMI and a card reader. You know what I haven't heard? I wish the webcam would interject on my screen ever so slightly. Like in in an announcement video where they got everything right. That's the one thing they screwed up. And they yep. and they screwed it up intentionally to screw over the customer. So, yes, I love the new MacBook Pros. I love the M1 Pro. I love the M1X. I haven't even tried them yet. And I already kind of want one. If they made a Mac yeah. Mini, I would have already bought one. Because I am more than satisfied with the performance on my M1 MacBook Pro. I have an M1 Mac Mini. And I'm always wanting more. Yep. So, no, I, they, these are cool. I like these. This, is, this might even get me to sit there and say, yeah, you know, Macs aren't bad. <laughs> and I don't like Mac, but the the hardware aspect, like that's uh, you can't you can't deny the awesomeness of that. That's like I said right. earlier. It was always yeah, they're really good for photo or video editing, but they suck at gaming. Now this is this is this is bringing every bit of every world right now. Now into getting your pocket. now getting back to the gaming conversation, I think there's actually some meat on the bone right there, um, because. Everything that Valve has done with Wine and Proton and uh, all the compatibility functions that they have, I'm just going to call it emulation because some of it is, uh, <laughs> all the different compatibility functions that they have uh, for Windows gaming on Linux, a lot of that will apply directly to Mac OS. Mm -hmm. um, now we have different architectures to worry about as far as ARM versus AMD 64. However, we've also proven that AMD 64 emulation inside of Mac OS is actually faster than native ARM emulation inside of Windows for native code execution. So, man, if they, if, if Steam would attack that as, as another final frontier and yeah, introduce... That Proton and and Steam Play in Mac OS. That's the only those are bona fide is, gaming laptops. I so here's the thing. I think this is going to prove to those companies these computers can do this. These computers are worth it. We're going to continue this way. You guys need if you want bigger revenue, adapt to us. Now we've adapted to you. We all of our hardware now is going to work beautifully with all of these games. We're going to need some of the top notch stuff. And everyone has this, and more people are going to have this portably. And if they want to play games, you have to adapt for them. They don't yep. want to spend the money for two, uh, you know, a PC and a Mac Pro. Right. Um, so there's that. 
Um, we do have some beer news if we want to get there. I see it's 40, so figured we can continue on. Um, this is something that I think both you and I are would enjoy. Uh, and it's from Goose Island, uh, another very great brewery that we enjoy. Goose Island is now going to be getting into the canned bourbon cocktails. Now, I've tried these. I think you've tried these. Steve has tried some of the, the Jack Daniels Cokes and, and everything like that. Whoa, whoa, you know. whoa. I did not willfully buy one of those. Well, I have uh, tried. I, said, I have I said, tried. tried. I didn't say you bought it. I said you tried it. Right. The So for that, I think a couple of those big issues are all of those pre-made cocktails they're always coming in like five percent right um you know and you always taste it and you're like this isn't a cock this is malt liquor this, this is it's, malt liquor with with angostura bitters like something like if that. you're yeah, lucky you're, if you're lucky so some of the cool things that i really liked about this one are the three initial launch flavors or cocktails and i'm going to say cocktails because they are actually using actual uh, bourbon in these beverages. This is not some kind of hard seltzer malt liquor. It's a cocktail base, and it's going to be, um, what is it? Where are the three? I just, a whiskey sour, mm -hmm. uh, old-fashioned highball, and a blackberry smash. Those are not bad cocktails to start with. No. Can I and just say? Yeah, exactly. And the best part, each one is coming in at 9%. Uh, in a 12 ounce can and it comes in a four pack and it's 16 bucks so that means each that cocktail is four bucks a piece so you're that's, that's cheaper it's not bad it's not bad now if you were if you're going to dilute an old-fashioned to 12 ounces yeah it's probably gonna be nine percent yeah no you're not you're not far off and and honestly if I wonder you, if, I, if your flavor profile this. holds out uh, because <laughs> one of the biggest issues with cocktails is abv uh it's mm -hmm. it's the number one reason that cock that canned cocktails fail yeah um is because let's take an old-fashioned for example what's in an old-fashioned it is 80 proof whiskey or higher usually 80 proof you have an 80 proof whiskey two and a half ounces you add three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup okay so we just diluted our whiskey down we're probably in the 60 proof range now as yeah. far as total volume goes a couple of dashes of angostura bitters that really doesn't hurt or help us because it's still 60 proof in its own right it's 27 percent yeah. or something like that and so that's a wash you then mix it over ice and get maybe a five percent dilution while you're mixing okay we're at 58 58 proof for a, for a yeah. final drink we got 25. There ain't no 25% canned cocktail. No, that's they're, illegal. They're 8% at best. And and I'm sorry, a lot of the flavor is inside of that bourbon and inside of that whiskey and, and inside well, of- you, you want that viscosity of the bourbon, right. the whiskey, the, the simple syrup mix because it's syrup, so it's thick. It's got legs. Uh, it's got legs. Right. You want to see that legging, you know? Um, you have that little orange twist that you want to you want to smell that essence. Yep. Um, usually with these, they're probably carbonate or most of them they're carbonated. Yeah. So that essence is this bubbly, and you're like, I don't want Seven Up because you go to those bars and they top it with Coke or Seven Up, and you're like, what, what did you give me? Right. You know. Do you remember? Um, uh. So. Probably. 
John and I did a beer vlog years ago. Um, and uh, so we went to a rare beer release. It was a cellared beer release. And we each spent like 250 or $300 on beer. Uh, yeah, like episode seven. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, this was a... a was it a 7 or 8 a.m.? I think it was 7 a.m. opening. It was early. It was yeah. early. Like, we left my house at 6. Um, so we drove to this beer release. We bought a bunch of beer. It's now 9 a.m. What do we do? <laughs> and so we went to a bar. We found a bar that was open. And uh, John's like, yeah, I'll have a beer. And I said, you know what? I kind of feel like an old-fashioned. You know, I'll, I'll take an old-fashioned at 9 a.m. <laughs> And she's like, and it's like, I know what I am, sweetheart. It's okay. Uh, so she made me an old fashioned, which was an entire rocks glass full of crushed ice. It was maybe two ounces of house whiskey, maybe two ounces, probably an ounce and a half. Um, it was a dash of bitters. It was an orange wedge and a maraschino cherry. Not yeah. not an orange twist, an orange wedge. wedge. So like a wedge of orange. For, for, for like a blue moon type thing. Right, like, yeah. So it was an orange wedge and a, mar and a neon red maraschino cherry. And then instead of simple syrup, no, 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 topped with 7-Up out of the soda yep. gun. It's like 7-Up or something, or was it Coke or something No, like it was 7-Up. 7-Up, okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, we were like, I looked at it, I was like, uh, I know that's not how it's supposed to be. And made. then they slid it across the bar, and I'm like, "It's 9 a.m." <laughs> I, I, they charged you a lot for it too. Nine dollars. It's yeah. like I don't want to fight. That's horrible. <laughs> that, was, that was also the same day you tried. Uh, was it KBS? Oh yeah, KBS on draft that happened to yeah, be in was, a habanero. <laughs> yeah, so I had a bottle of KBS like a day or two before that, and I I talked it up to Jeff so high. I was like, so this, this is, is uh, Founders Brewing Kentucky uh, Breakfast Stout. Yeah, uh, and this was when it like first got released to Oregon. Yeah, I was like oh, this is great stuff, Jeff. You gotta have this, and they had it there. And they had it there on draft. They had it on draft, and, right? And I was like, Jeff, I'm. Your drinks are. I'll buy you that. Yeah. All right. I, give, John give was driving, that. so I was cool. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, take, give him that, and and he he sips it, and he's like, yeah, it's not that good. I'm like, give me that. Yeah. And what, and what and, and, and I went. It it's kind of got like a heat to it. Yeah. And and like, and John no. goes, no, there's no way. And he and he grabs the glass from a hand and takes a swig, and uh, so Kentucky Breakfast Out is supposed to be. A breakfast stout. It's supposed it, to be oatmeal, sausage and oatmeal uh, and bacon and maple. And a little bit of coffee. Yeah. Right. It, it's supposed to be like, think Sweet of like a, a country breakfast, you yeah. know, but in stout form. And uh, and I'm tasting this and I'm going, there's like a heat behind this, like a, like a pepper heat. What we figured out was that they previously had a habanero cider on that yeah. tap. And that and habanero cider was adding just habanero pepper yeah, and they, to they the didn't line. clean the line prior to yep. having that on there. Yep. And it was just like, ah, oh, you ruined that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Basically, everything that's coming out of there is horrible now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, but no, I'm excited about these uh, Goose Island. I will if if they come here. I hope they will. I hope they will. Um, yeah. They 
So they're saying this is their first time limited release. Um, supposed to be released, uh, I believe, I think it's that early 2022. Yeah. So, um, yeah, January, February. Yeah. Yeah, January, February. So uh, keep an eye out for that if you're looking for that. If anyone on the Discord does see that, let me know. I would probably even try, wouldn't mind having that. Pay Get yourself a whale there. pod and we'll uh, figure it out. Yeah, and ship me some sodas. Ship me some soda or some yeast samples in suspension. Yes. Um, yes. All, yes. But, you know, kind of actually back to our VR conversation. It's a VR heavy and episode, and that's okay with me. It is a VR. There's nothing wrong with that. And we were talking about Nintendo. We're going back to the Nintendo and the VR. One of my favorite classic games growing up was always a Zelda title. And It hurts me that it's best. a classic game now. I know, isn't that it's, re horrible? it's retro. It's not even classic. It's retro, John. It is. Um, probably one of the most successful N64 titles of all time is The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And someone has now made it fully playable in VR. Yes. So you can download this. It is fully playable in VR. That means you can fight Ganon in his tower in your Oculus Rift or Valve Index or Quest or whatever have you. Uh, the map has been fully transferred. This is not a, a reproduction or an inspired by. This is literally you need the ROM of Zelda 64 to play the game. And it emulates the game inside just with a VR camera perspective. Um, I will say I am super excited to try this. One of the coolest things that I've done with VR is probably play uh, GameCube and and uh, Wii games in VR with the Dolphin VR fork. I don't know if you're aware of this, John, but uh, Dolphin VR or Dolphin emulator has a fork called Dolphin VR. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. Like play Wind Waker in a third person camera, but in VR where you can like look around as the camera. It is so great. Yeah. Like so, it is yeah, yeah. incredible. Yeah, this, this is in Dolphin. Uh, you play this in Dolphin VR. Um, it is at uh, native 30 frame, but you can upscale it to 90 frames. Yep. So another really cool thing. So if you are sensitive to that type of stuff, ah, and you have the equipment. I get it now. So someone took the Zelda Master Collection Ocarina of Time game in yeah, because the game yeah. had to be kind of ported for VR. Like, most of the games kind of worked, but you had to do some tweaks to make them actually, like, not make you sick. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, someone has taken the the Zelda Master Collection uh, GameCube disc and ported it to VR for Dolphin VR. I get it now. I'm on board. So, that would be fun. And it's free. Technically. Mm-hmm. For till now, tell someone you know they they Nintendo won't. Well, them. actually, no. As long as you have the ROM, you can download the reverse engineered emulator for free. So then, there you go. Emulators are be... not illegal. Neither are ROMs technically, as long as you ripped it yourself. But emulators are not not illegal. But also, speaking of Nintendo sixty four. Mm. Yes. Some, some bad news. Let's let's get into this one before we close. Um, so Nintendo announced a couple of weeks ago that they were bringing Nintendo 64 games to the Switch via their online expansion pack. 
Now this pack would cost you an additional $30 per month over the $20 that got you most of the NES and SNES library to get you, get this, like 12 games for the N64. Also the Sega Genesis, but who cares about that? Uh, yeah, who cares? So yeah, oh sorry, per year, not per month, per year. Yeah. So $20 yeah, no, per I, year to $50 per year. Yeah, it increased. It's still so. 30 bucks, it's still $30 it, it more. It increased it over 100%. Right. Uh, for 12 games. Right. For an, for an, well, it also came with Sega Genesis games, but again... 12 games. <laughs> who wants Urban no Chaos one, again? No one no one wants to play Michael Jackson's Moonwalker. <laughs> I mean, Comic Zone, that's probably worth five bucks on its own. But, Maybe. But the rest of the collection was N64. Uh, anyway, so Switch Nintendo launched this, this last week. Uh, let's just say the reception has been lukewarm at best and uh vitriolic at worst and the reason being is because nintendo was using a homegrown nintendo 64 emulator that apparently is pretty crap uh so rather than porting these games to the nintendo switch proper giving them any kind of modern makeover widescreen support higher textures we didn't expect any of that but what I did expect was a fully playable version of Zelda Ocarina of Time or Star Fox yeah. 64 or Mario 64 or Pilot Wings. Or Mario Kart. Yeah. yeah. I expected to be able to play these games as they were originally playable on the Nintendo 64. What we've been introduced with is number one, no controller adaptations for the previously six face buttons for the reduction to four face buttons. So your button mapping is all over the place as far as what is C up, down, left, and right. For example, Ocarina of Time, where you can map weapons to that, as well as you have to play Ocarina tunes using that button mapping. Uh, and you have to, yeah, they don't tell you. <laughs> right. To things as bad as missing textures, misaligned textures, uh, uh, graphics being completely omitted entirely. There's yeah, the Zelda Ocarina of Time has the, the fog inside the game is completely buggered up. Uh, so in Zelda, one of the big things is like Kokiri Forest. It's supposed to have distant fog to fade the tunnels out when you're far away on the map. However, the entire map has kind of this foggish appearance. There's other issues like in the Water Temple where the entire thing is supposed to be like this foggy lake and you're sitting in front of a solitary tree. Uh, there's no fog at all in that environment. So the water just kind of like stops on the invisible wall where it didn't in the actual game. Uh, now, some may say, well, that's a small price to play to pay to play Ocarina of Time, in which case, yeah, you're probably right. But when you add in the input latency that comes with Nintendo, Nintendo's poor emulation of these titles, uh, as well as the other litany of graph graphical issues that go along with it, I'm not impressed. Well, the, the, the problem is, okay, how far along have ROM and emulators been out for these games? Years. Years. I mean, we were in high school and ROM emulators were available for these games. Right. That played very well. 
And they're like, you know what? We're going to sue all of these people, tell them to take it down and blah, blah, blah. And then 25 years from now, we're going to make our own. And it's horrible. We've learned we couldn't even steal. And the hookers are going, I wouldn't do that. Exactly. Yes. I was trying to make a, I couldn't think of a. I knew you were going there. So I I figured I'd finish it for you. (laughs) Um, But that's what's so horrible. They're like, and you have to pay us 25 bucks a year for this. Right. And it's like, why? People are, I want to play Ocarina of Time. I can go on my cell phone and find it somewhere from a friend who owned the system and ripped it himself. Right. You know, and legally um, obtained, shall we say? Yeah. And I could put it on my phone. It would run better on my phone. Here's here's the problem. Here's the problem. And uh, someone already said that uh, Modern Vintage Gamer MVG over on YouTube did a fantastic breakdown. I did watch his video today uh, to kind of get a little bit of a deeper understanding of the shortfalls of the emulation. Um, Here's the problem is this would be a pass and I'm paraphrasing MVG here. Um, Nintendo would have gotten a pass if they matched community emulation efforts. Just match it. Just get the textures right. Get the three-point mapping correct inside of Mario Kart. Get the fog correct inside of Zelda. Get the input latency down to an acceptable level on an LCD screen. You failed at everything. Like, yes, the game plays, and it plays at a native frame rate. Bravo. But... On your own hardware, on the Nintendo Switch, there are homebrew emulators that are better than the service you're asking people to pay for. I mean, why is that a thing? It might have even been cheaper for them to go buy the rights to one of these emulators and be like, this is our code now. And you know, it could have been, but also at the same time, it's people talk about porting a lot and I don't think it would have taken much effort to port these games natively to switch with no, some modern enhancements so. and control switches. I, I know. I agree with you. I agree with you. I just, everything of this is a lack luster. Just screw up right. on Nintendo side. It, it really is. Um, I mean, it, it, yes, the, like, there are, there are like a rookie programmer went in and the boss said, we need to have the, N64 stuff, and he's like, uh, he got pressured and never heard of ROMs. He's like a level one entry guy, mm-hmm. and it was so pressured, his brain just forgot about all of the ports and, and emulators out there in the world right. that already have this. He's like, I gotta develop this myself. I, I'm gonna look up some YouTube video of how to how to do, you know, your right. own emulator. I, it's gotta be done in two weeks. Here, boss, it kind of works. Here, boss, can we charge people $30 a year for this? Yeah, that looks good to me. No, um, like, yeah, they probably could have licensed code to emu- to from an emulator group. However, yeah. that also would have given legitimacy to an emulation group. True, true. Better yet, they could have spent a little bit of time porting some of these games natively to Switch hardware. Can you imagine Ocarina of Time just upscaled the 720p with widescreen graphics support and modern controller inputs? Like, yeah. how difficult would that actually be? There's a there's a community effort right now to decompile uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time, just like the Mario 64 decompilation project, which has resulted in 
4K Mario 64 on literally any device you own. I have an Ambernic RG350, which is a single core ARM processor running at like 500 megahertz, and it plays Mario 64 beautifully at 640p. Um, it's only got a three or a 640 by 480 screen. So it plays at native resolution at 30 FPS with no problem whatsoever. But the point remains that it doesn't take a lot of hardware to run these old games. And even, even novice coders can decompile this. What could you do if you had the source code? Which Nintendo has the source code to all of these games that they released. Why wasn't the effort put there? Yeah, That's no, what I frustrates agree. me. Yeah, totally, is, totally agree. Is they could have shot for the moon and absolutely hit it. And I would have gladly given them an extra $30 a month or $30 a year to play these dozen Nintendo games in a well, modern environment. Dozen? That's, that was the other complaint is 12 games. I mean, come on, guys. I, I will say, come on, guys, that's pretty pathetic. Now, I will say from the internal programming perspective, that's probably all they can get to run on their homebrew emulator on their own because they're too prideful to say, hey, uh, Migan64 or Project64 or Moopin or whoever, like, can we license your emulator? No, they're not going to do that because they're Nintendo. Yeah. Um, but there's something to be said for there's only 12 games and you're charging me $30 extra per year. Like now, I I guess if it was thirty bucks and we're guarant we're it's it's we're going to increase this and not increase the price, so we're going to increase the library. But the they've price will they've not said increase. the the library will increase to like forty games by mid twenty twenty two, and there's okay, already is, there's already references to like Pokemon Snap and yeah. and some other first party games that honestly are pretty good, like Mario Parties uh, one through five and and things like yeah. like. There's references to games like that, which will probably bring value to the platform eventually. But if they're on the same hokey emulation system that doesn't even meet community standards, let alone what I would hold Nintendo to for standards, it, it, yeah. it, it misses the mark for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, really quickly before we end yeah. here, you know, uh, we'll do. I, I wanted to bring up a little bit of Star Trek talk because I wasn't in the notes. But um, tomorrow, uh, as far as we have lost Lower Decks, uh, season finale hit. I don't know if you've watched it. I have not watched. Uh, I'm up to episode eight, but I haven't watched nine or ten yet. All right, so season finale, great finale. I enjoyed it. Enjoyed this season of Lower Decks much more so than. The first season. Honestly, the first um, season was great too. I but I'm kind of with you. I love the second season. It is so yeah, good. I, I I think this season really feels the stride. Like oh, they know what they're doing. Right. Um. You know, they know where their jokes are hitting a lot better now. Um. You can see a they lot hit of the way sooner than stuff. TNG did. I can tell you that much. Oh, and DS9. But whatever. Um. <laughs> uh, um. Uh, Star Trek but, Prodigy. Yes, exactly. That's what I was going to get. Catherine Janeway, Captain Janeway, or Hologram Janeway, is making her premiere tomorrow. Yes. And the trailers actually come out, and honestly, it actually doesn't look horrible. Right. Uh, the plot isn't 100% for certain. It, it looks like there's these kids who find this junker ship kind of like in uh, the latest Star Wars reboot. What a piece of junk. Yeah, kind of a thing, and it turned out to be this. It'll make point five pass light speed. 
you know um so but it's it's kind of i i want to hear janeway going it'll make 0.5 past warp four <laughs> but uh there again uh it's also been confirmed chakotay captain chakotay captain chakotay yes will be reprising his role um we might even see uh harry kim or if this does well i hope he's still kim, an ensign or or even another tom harris you know, I, I could use some cool. more Robert Duncan McNeil in my life, yeah. honestly. So that will be really cool. And the cool thing about this, this is on Nickelodeon or Paramount Plus. Yep. So if you are a Star Trek fan, you're looking for trying to bring your kids into that universe. I am kind of hoping this is something I can even show my son. Yeah. And he might get into it and be like, oh, this is cool. And uh, even kind of has some pretty cool animation, kind of Star Wars, Clone Wars. The, yeah, the it's, it's kind of a cel-shaded 3D type animation yeah. from what I've seen of it. And uh, very reminiscent of like Clone Wars and Wind Waker and, and yeah. you know, things of that sort. Honestly, I think it it absolutely works. Now, now 100%, it is an easier animation style to render faster than yeah. photorealistic. Uh, a lot of kids shows use similar animation styles to this as far as 3D rendering. It's not really, you know, ray traced or light shaded or anything like that. It is basic environments with basic lighting and single shadows. If they're even get full shadows, sometimes they're just shadows under the characters, like little circles we got in the nineties. Uh, but that's, that's not to say that the plot won't be good. And I'm certainly holding out hope that Star Trek Prodigy ends up as a great Star Trek show. Yeah. Even as, a, you know, a guy in his mid-30s who grew up on Star Trek, I will take I Star Trek out. in any genre and and style that I can possibly get it as long as it's good. Oh, that's the thing is this is still technically supposed to be canon. Yep. We don't know the year. That's the other thing. So yeah. this ship is an experimental ship. So it technically could be past Picard. Mm -hmm. It could be during Picard. We don't know. And that right there kind of gives some intrigue of like, okay, what's the technology aspect? And to me, that's another intriguing part for the, you know, the mid thirties type of yeah. fanboy. Yeah. Um, there's those little bits. I, you can tell though that Jane is still wearing her classic, uh, black and red uniform. Mm -hmm. So, who knows? But she is a hologram, and we all know how much she loves holograms. But we do know that Admiral Janeway is also canon as of First Contact. Uh, yeah. Was it First Contact or was... No, no it, it was, was uh, Nemesis. Um, Nemesis. Nemesis. Yeah. Uh, so Admiral Janeway is is uh, canon. And so the fact that she's Captain Janeway means that it was at least recorded between the end yeah. of Voyager and the beginning of Insurrection. So interesting thing. So, but we don't know how long that ship's been sitting in the junkyard. Right. So, and it's supposed to be an experimental ship. Yep. So. But it's a group of kids who comes across it, and uh, they're basically learning how to pilot it based on Captain Janeway's instruction. And yep. so, uh, another thing we do see, another vehicle we do see is, I think it was. It wasn't. It, it might have been insurrection. Now, what was the one after first contact with the the that was the insurrection? Water, insurrection. Yeah. They have off road vehicle, and that yeah. makes an appearance back again. So, Warfin is side by side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, 
it is great to have multiple Star Trek shows to talk about again. I, for one, am thrilled. But I think that is going to wrap up episode 207 here on Talking Heads. Join us every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Pacific time for the latest in beer and tech news right here on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Craft Computing. Follow John on Twitter at Hops and Brews. Make sure to subscribe to Hops and Brews over on YouTube if you like the beer content on this on this show. Uh, you'll get plenty more of it over on his channel. And in fact, I might drop by for a special guest appearance every once in a while. Maybe. 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 Friday, maybe Monday, maybe, wink, maybe, wink. maybe, 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 yeah. Maybe. Uh, like this video if you liked it. Subscribe to Craft Computing if you haven't done so already. If you're not subscribed, why in the hell are you here? Uh, I don't think there's anything else to plug. Uh, go over to craftcomputing.store, grab yourself a pint glass, and start drinking like a pro. And as wow. always, we will see you next Wednesday. See you guys. Cheers, everyone.